When you see an organization that really has what I'd call a PR mindset, they're just so different than anyone else because they often don't have to advertise much. That's the beauty because they're already known and trusted. And the content marketing for PR, I believe, can help differentiate your brand, stand out a bit more, can make you look a little different than just churning out the same stuff. Trevor Young is a highly experienced communications strategist for Melbourne who specialises in content marketing. He's a huge believer in the power of public relations and in the major role that content marketing has to play in the future of the industry. The sales and marketing process has changed dramatically in the last few years as trust has declined and we've become sick of being sold to when we're on Facebook. Trevor believes we're moving back towards more personal forms of marketing. How can we make ourselves more open, more transparent? How can we connect more deeply with the people who matter most to us? I'm not saying the sales funnel's dead, but I just think it's, is it losing relevance potentially? And I just think there's more to it. I think we just look at things in too much of a one-dimensional way when it's not. It's multi-dimensional and it's messy. On today's show, Trevor and I talk about how content marketing was hijacked by inbound marketers and about why public relations should steal it back. This is Digital Download, a podcast that explores the latest thinking in digital communications, PR and social media. Here's your host, Paul Sutton. Now we're going to talk about something that I know is close to your heart and you have actually just released a book about this, which is content marketing for public relations or how to use content marketing specifically for public relations and communications. That's right. That's uh, absolutely correct. Very close to my heart, that one. So where did the idea for the book come about? I mean, why did you write it in the first place? I've sort of been blogging since 2007 and, and, and been neck deep into this side of things. And I guess coming from an ex-journalism background anyway, so I've always been doing content, telling stories, doing all that sort of stuff. But it was really, I guess, once content started to, you know, it became within the realm of, of anyone. Anyone can become their own media channel. And um, But I just felt that the whole conversation around content and content marketing was kind of being hijacked a bit by the inbound marketing fraternity. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, that's that's fine, absolutely. But not everyone is requires kind of like inbound marketing, uses a sales funnel, um, needs loads of traffic to their website via, you know, search engines and all of that sort of stuff. And, and, and <clears throat> inbound marketing is a, a very much a bit of a process. And I felt that there was a lot more to content and, and companies and organizations of all sizes can use content um, in a different way. So what I've basically done in short is look at content marketing through a PR lens and also acknowledging that, you know, it's whether you're a business big or small, you're a government agency, you're a micro business, a social enterprise, or, you know, a community nonprofit, you can still use content to uh, help, you know, communicate directly with the people who matter most to the success of your your business or your cause or your issue if you are a nonprofit. Do you think there is perhaps a bit of a, a misunderstanding among the PR or comms industries about content marketing and the role it can or does play? Yeah, I think, well, I think there is. It's just, there's so much information. Yeah. 
And um, I think the part of where I've struggled is I've tried to consume all this information and and become, when it became time to this book sort of percolated in my head for quite some time. And, and I felt that, yes, people are really confused. Um, a lot of my clients and a lot of people who I deal with are actually heads of PR and they're in charge of content marketing. Yeah. Um, it's not necessarily the head of marketing has got anything to do with content. Uh-huh. So I think to apply these you know, this is the way it's done and apply those rules shouldn't really be the case. I mean, obviously there's truisms like know your audience and create content that's of interest and relevance, yeah. you know, to your desired target groups who you're trying to reach out and communicate with. But from then on, it's pretty open slather, I think. And um, and I think that, yeah, people were getting confused and um, I, I have one case where uh, a client of mine, and before I sort of did something with her, and she's the head of PR for a very, very big brand in Australia, and she had, she had her, t- there was two ad agencies, the PR firm, the social media, um, the SEO firm, and uh, even a content marketing firm, which they had nothing to do with, right. but all of those other agencies um including I think SEO, they're all pitching content ideas. And I said to her, you've got to you've got to develop your own strategy, take control of it, because otherwise you're just going to go off course really quickly and nothing will ever happen. And that was probably the um the the real light bulb for me is and I'd started to hear that a fair bit is that because the lines have blurred across all of these agencies, what do you do if you if you if PR is your is your thing? And do you just gravitate to what someone else is doing in a yeah. in another area. I mean, the way ad agencies look at content is way different than what PR people look at content. And, and a lot of the inbound marketing stuff is very utility-based, very how-to educational. Yeah. But there's a lot more to do with content, like taking people behind the scenes or, you know, taking a thought leadership positioning and that sort of thing that I think is the opportunity for the PR industry. Yeah. So coming on to that then, so why do you think PR should perhaps own content marketing, or do you think PR should own content marketing, or you just, oh. or are you just kind of, is it there is a dual use, but you think PR isn't using it enough? I mean, what, what's your view on that? Yeah, I think I'm not so sure it's about owning, but they, well, I, I certainly think that in any organisation within the PR function, yes, they content probably should be the kicker for them. It should be the, I, 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 I call what I do content driven communications okay so it's communications broadly but it starts with content and owned media that's the starting point so on one hand yes i believe pr and comms should have that owned media mindset and and build from there that doesn't mean they can't do uh, more marketing style content elsewhere within an organization and and one thing that's a theme throughout the book is about adopting your own philosophy and, and it started around content and social media, but really it's around comms marketing generally. And, and because every company and organization is unique with its own goals. And if you haven't got that sort of philosophy of where you want to be and how you think about these things, it's very easy to go, you know, to you'll end up just jumping on every shiny new tool yeah, yeah. In, a, in an attempt to find a silver bullet solution, which we know doesn't exist. Yeah. And I think the thing with um, PR, so that philosophy, if you are probably more of a, PR type organization versus one that's more marketing driven, then, you know, you, you'll probably gravitate more to the content that I talk about in the book. Yep. I think now that PR have got the tools to do what we always should be doing. So, I mean, when I've been in the game for, you know, 
cough, cough, three decades. <laughs> Me too. And we used to do videos and we used to do newsletters and stuff like that. But, you know, the cost of doing those things and the time lag in doing it, you know, videos were 50, 60, 70 grand a pop. Yeah. It was, you know, so you never, you hardly did yeah. them. So we now have the tools to do what PR should always have done, and that's communicate and tell stories. Okay. And now we've just got them. So that, to me, is a golden era for for our industry. And what do you do? What do you think the difference is between then the PR use of content marketing and the typical sort of inbound marketing approach, which you do see a lot of talk about? Yeah, yeah, and there is crossover. Yeah, there is very much. What do you, what do you see as the well? What are, what are the similarities and what are the differences in your mind? Yeah, well, I did a whole chapter on this. It was probably the hardest chapter to do because obviously there's a lot of nuance around yeah. it. So explaining what is, you know, quite conceptual uh, was 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 um, challenging, but I, I think I got there in the end. But I think when you look at PR, we're about building, you know, recognition, reputation, um, you know, relevance, building relationships with people, all that side of yeah. things. And 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 if we can do content that helps build trust and 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 um, and influence. I actually use the acronym VITAL: visibility, influence, trust, advocacy, and leadership. And and brands, you know, need those pillars uh, to be successful. You know, over the top is successful today. Yep. So if we can help brands use content to become more visible, um, to get out on people's radar, etc. And I think that's probably one of the greatest challenges every company faces now is just to uh-huh. cut through. <laughs> it's just so hard. Influence, if you can't influence, um, you know, people's behavior and that side of things, then uh, you're on a hiding to nothing. Uh, trust is obviously the currency of today um, and critical and the trust and reputation is where PR really comes to the fore. Uh, advocacy, you know, building advocates and supporters, and enthusiasts for your brand and um, and what you do and what you stand for and leadership, taking a leadership positioning, I think it allows you to start differentiating your brand from the rest, from your competitors. So if you can use content that strategically underpins those pillars, then that's to me content marketing for PR. Okay. Now, I will say that obviously... Um, you'll need heft in di- more heft in different pillars depending on your yeah, goal. Yeah. So if you're a obviously a, a financial services company that's had a bit of a wreckage of a reputation, then you're going to put more emphasis on trust. So what does that look like? Does it mean, well, okay, using content to be more transparent, taking people behind the scenes, shining the spotlight on the leadership team more so, that side of things. So that's the strategic part of it. Okay. With the inbound side of it then, do you think – the inbound marketers are are measuring things in a slightly different way or do they have slightly different goals which are more sales led i mean is that how you define the difference yeah i do i mean obviously inbound is very sales driven it's very yeah. process driven yeah. it's you know get someone's email and and have content and calls to action at certain um parts of the yeah. journey and, and it's not right for every company, obviously, uh, but those where there's a bit of a convoluted ongoing sales uh, journey then um, or path to purchase, that's when that becomes very important. And that's probably, more, you know, as much around business to business, I think it, you'll probably find there as well. And I think that, um, you know, they've they've got some probably simple measures to put in place along in, I'm using air quotes, the, the sales yeah. funnel. Whereas I guess when you look at if if you're of the belief, and this is where it comes down to philosophy, if more people trust us and we have a you know we have a strong reputation in the marketplace, and in turn that drives 
leads and sales or whatever it is you're trying to achieve, again, it's it's not always about leads and sales if you're not a business, then, you know, that's a different way of looking at it. Um, and that's and it's a little bit harder to measure, but you can still put measures in place. They're just, you know, some of those big ticket items are, are just macro things. They're just a little bit harder to measure. But then all the other things that an inbound marketer will look at, you can still measure them. So you mentioned sales funnels there. What what do you make a sales funnel? Do you believe in the, the, the function of a sales funnel anyway? Because, I mean, my own opinion is that sales funnels perhaps don't really work anymore because of the way that we behave and interact with all of this different stuff we're exposed to across everywhere. You know, everywhere you go, there, there's something. Do you believe in sales funnels? I guess when you look at it and you sort of break it down, yeah, they make sense. I think they make sense, but I don't think it's that simple and linear anymore. I think it's very convoluted. Yes. Um, we know that other people's opinions matter more now than what a company says. Um, so even if you're doing good stuff and giving good content and really helping people along along the journey, that's that's terrific. No one ever went wrong being useful and helpful. Yeah, yeah. So there's no sort of dramas on that respect. But but when we do know that, pe- you know, you, yourself, when you, um, you know, get a tip from a, a mate or, you know, word of mouth or you read, you know, uh, someone who you've influences you that might be a podcaster or a journalist or whatever and they're writing something and they're sort of that third implied third party endorsement or that word of mouth from a from friends and mm-hmm. connections you know that that holds weight today in an era in an era when we don't trust you know businesses and brands yeah, yeah. and all yeah. sorts of stuff so it's I, I just think that yes i'm not dismissing it i'm not saying the sales funnel's dead but i just think it's is it losing relevance potentially? And um, and I just think there's more to it. I think we just look at things in too much of a one-dimensional way when it's not. It's yeah, multi-dimensional yeah. and it's messy. And 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 I think we've just got to accept that. And when we look at you know content from an inbound perspective, if everyone's chasing the same uh, audience and they've done the persona work, uh, which is fine. This is all the stuff you've got to do, but you're answering those people's questions. Again, no one ever went wrong being useful and helpful, but a lot of that content now to me is starting to look the same. Yeah. If you look in various industries, there's a lot of stuff that's looking the same. The content marketing for PR, I believe can help differentiate your brand, stand out a bit more, um, can can make you look a little different than just churning out the same stuff. Doesn't mean you don't answer people's questions by any means. Don't not saying that, but it just means we add more dimension of content. So I've developed this a four circle Venn diagram, if that's the that's how it looks. And this I call it uh, my content universe. And there's the four dimensions. And one is the utility based content, the leadership content the corporate content and then promotional content okay so the utility stuff is that educational really good stuff uh you know what's a pain point a need that people have um what is a you know an informational gap they've got and you answer those questions and you do all that with content terrific stuff and that's probably where inbound sits nicely and you get leadership content which is a little bit more okay well you're not answering people's questions you're actually probably um, poking them in the eye a little bit metaphorically. You might be changing the way people think about a topic or an issue um, and, and through your ideas. And so a classic example is Seth Godin. Seth's not sitting back waiting to 
you know, do a how-to article or listicle to to address a pain point. He's yep. he's literally, you know, making you think about certain topics. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's marketing school is all around those pain points, but his content is not. Yep. And, th- and I call that classic leadership. And when you look at a lot of companies now, they're now starting to, they take that bigger picture view on things. Uh, you know, Patagonia is mentioned often, you know, around all things sustainability in the environment. Well, that to me is leadership content. And it locks back to what they're all about as a brand. So there's that leadership stuff, which is Big end territory. The Edelman Trust Barometer, uh, classic example again, um, looking at trust and and being the, the the leader in that space of that conversation. And so that's leadership content. But corporate content, um, you know, having been in PR for a long time yourself, Paul, you realise that, you know, the press releases aren't going to go away anytime soon. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I always say, well, you're not going to change that. That'll just get them done and put out there. But what else can you do? about all your news that's coming through the organization, and I think GE and companies like this do that, do it really well, is how can you make that news interesting? So you get someone, you know, a lot of companies say, oh, we've just won this big award and aren't we great and bang their chest, which no one's interested in. But if they, or we've got this new product, say we've got this new product and they, you know, lights and bells and whistles and all of that. And I get it. I understand, you know, it's all about them at that point. But what about, doing interviews with the product designer yeah, or taking people on the journey of how it was designed or why we did it and take people behind the scenes to do that. And that's where I think, you know, you know, if you've won a big award, okay, that's fine. Put it out, matter of record. But then why not do something about, you know, the things that we've learned from, you know, winning this award to get to this position. And that, that allows you to tell a story. Yeah. So that again, leadership content and, and that what I've termed corporate content is right in the PR remit. And that's what we're good at doing. Um, the overlap is with inbound is probably more on the utility. And then there's promotional content. And I add that in because it's okay to promote your services, mm-hmm. ask for the sale, um, call to action, sign up here, do this, you know. But if it's that's all you do, then obviously you'll drive people away yeah. or they'll ignore you altogether. So, um, and there's even interesting ways to be able to do promotional content that is promotional, but still interesting and relevant to your audience. So that's probably the nuance of cross content marketing for PR versus inbound. So again, who are you? What are you doing? What are your goals? What are you trying to achieve? What are your resources? All of that sort of stuff. Yeah, it's interesting that with the different types of content, I think, come into it as well, because you referenced there trying to sort of stay ahead of, of what every else is doing with content, because I totally agree with there's so much same stuff out there that you see time and time again uh, and even from a personal perspective one of the reasons I started this podcast but a year and a half ago now was because I'd been blogging like you have for for you know a decade 10 years or so and I just wanted to do something a bit different that maybe was something different to what other people were doing and and so in in my case that became a different content form but that effectively is what you're talking about is doing something that keeps you ahead of everything else out there when you talk about the leadership content as well and and you said about sort of poking people a bit again that's my personal style to do that do you think a lot of companies are afraid of making too much of a fuss around things i mean it's just changing a bit with uh sort of cause-based marketing now but a lot of companies from my perspective seem to be still 
nervous about making too much noise about an issue in case it turns people away from them. Do you think that's generally true? Yeah, I, I, I do. I, I think where well, you've got the cause side of things or the social issues, which I know you, you speak about often as well, there's that side of things. Uh, but then there's issues pertaining to an industry that you operate yeah. in. And, you know, in in your case, it might be, well, you, you tackle a lot of them, but it might be, you know, AI and voice, for example, and where that's heading or the future of, yeah. you know, uh, the, the future of PR and communications. And that's the big ticket issue that you, you stake, you've got a flag in the ground on. And then there are sub issues in and around that. And then you become known for that over a period of time. That's, that's probably what I'm talking about more on the leadership side yeah. of things. Yeah. And, and that, that's not as scary for, for, for a lot of companies because, you know, they know that they need to stand up in, you know, they, they've, got a belief and that'll probably come from the leaders of the organization so looking a bit broader then when it comes to pr and communications taking on board your your own opinions about content marketing and everything that's going on in the world what do you think is the future for the pr industry and i know this is a very big question but i'm going to throw it at you anyway <laughs> well like a lot of the things you talk about i mean that there are things coming in from all angles well well apart from the the blurring of the lines between advertising pr seo all of that sort of stuff i think that's the biggest challenge that everyone's got is to find their 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 place in the world and what that means and then going for it um so you until you get that sort of settled i think it's you're just clutching at straws but i think that there's no doubt that the um I've been sort of probably haven't done as much research in the AI stuff, but I'm starting to use tools where AI is involved. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's, you know, it's, to me, it's not a scary thing. To me, it, it allows us to get rid of the the activities that bog us down so we can be a bit smarter and create better stories and be more strategic and put more time in, in thinking rather than just doing all the time. Yeah. Uh, I'm not so sure that AI is great for story. I'm still think humans and emotion and storytelling is probably still good for actual human beings, but um, that who knows where that's going to end yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. Um, there, there are certain things. I'm, I'm a big believer and Mark Schaefer's written a terrific book called Marketing Rebellion. Yes. And uh, I'm a, just a massive believer, as he is, in in the whole swing to humanity, back to human, um, because we're not changing as people in that regard. We still, you know, want emotional connection and we're still interested in the things that, uh, you know, turn us on and, you know, light us up. Absolutely. And uh, we, want to, we want to deal with people and we want to hear stories and that side of things. And I just think there's going to be a swing back to a little bit back to the future. I'm speaking at a um, Future of Social Media conference to, um, at a conference tomorrow, and that's going to be the theme I explore and really just really interested. There's going to be 90 social media people yep. there, social media managers and stuff, and I'm really interested to see their, get their feedback on um, how much humanity is in their organisation yeah, yeah, yeah. and what they do on social media. The social media. So on a, on a softer side, I think that there's – room to go back to that because that's what we want as people and that's what resonates and when you see brands doing really good stuff sure you got the the great campaigns and we all love that sexy campaign but it comes and goes you know and we get we focus on that whereas i'm pro and i love all that stuff and i'm probably more of the mindset what happens in between those campaigns and 
and what we do with PR and owned, earned and social media and build that that base of the marketing communications pyramid that goes for the 365 days of the year. Yeah. And, and how can we make ourselves more open, more transparent? How can we connect more deeply with the people who matter most to us as a company or an organisation? I totally agree with that. I, I fundamentally have, have agreed for a long time that big campaigns, yes, they look great. And, and I'm a fan of some of the creative stuff as well. But I have for a long time talked to my clients about how it's the drip feed and the little nudges. That's what social media, especially, and content can do well is the little nudges towards eventually making a purchase or an inquiry or whatever it is you want people to do. But that that big campaign, yes, it creates a splash and yes, it might create some some response out the back, but it's the little nudges that matter to me. And I've talked in that way for a long time. And, and a, a, a critical part of that, Paul, is that a lot of that, if you build that base and you have that, that you know that that strength from that you know, vital visibility and yeah. influence, and people trust you and all of that sort of stuff, then if you've got that building that ongoing, and it's like the old McDonald's goodwill bank of goodwill that they've always done for you know uh-huh. decades, um, you know let's build that bank of goodwill in the community again and again and again. So when the brown stuff hits the fan, then we we lose a bit of goodwill, but we're not coming from scratch yeah. again. And I think that that way of thinking still works today and what it does do because it gives you that visibility and people already maybe know like and trust you potentially then it'll make your campaigns and your promotional messages work harder because people would have already heard of you and maybe actually have an affinity with yeah you absolutely and so it's about making the investment in advertising and creative campaigns whatever they look like and whoever does them it makes them work that much harder. Yeah, I, I, I would totally agree with that. Do you think there is a bit of a, I mean, in, in the UK, certainly there, there is a lot of talk about um, the reputation of the PR industry. And it goes in this big cycle of you know, discussion all the time about why we can't do our own PR and that sort of stuff. Do you think that that comes from a place of, uh, as you talked about, the, the PR underpinning the sales campaigns, and it's the sales campaigns that get in the credit, but the the goodwill has been built by more uh, i don't know softer tactics is that where you're kind of coming from with that yeah i am indeed i mean i know that it's harder to to measure and that's probably why it cops a yeah. bit i mean again there are ways to measure all everything somewhere along the line but again those macro things about uh, trust and, and and reputation. You can measure them, but you just need deep pockets yeah, because yeah. it's you know you got to do benchmark research and go back six to eight months and and do another yeah. dip and that's yeah that's expensive stuff. There are good new tools coming out on 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 for research, but at this stage it's still an expensive thing. So I'm not saying it can't be measured. It can. It's just expensive, and uh, not necessarily every company is going to fork out for it. But it's 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 definitely. Um, you know, one of those things where you, when you see it done well, when you see an organization that really has a PR, what I'd call a PR mindset, they're just so different than anyone else because they often don't have to advertise much. Mm-hmm. That's the beauty because they're already known and trusted. And uh, I'm not sure if you know Andy Green, yes, who's it is, yeah. um, done a, uh, yeah, so Andy um, has, has co-authored a, a white paper called the Dublin Conversation about trying to redefine and re-energize public relations. And we've had a couple of really good chats on it. And it's been really timely. And I've mentioned it in the book yeah. because 
it's this whole notion of, yes, PR isn't great. The industry's not great at promoting itself necessarily because it is, there is a bit of disjointedness about it. And, um, and we all know that and we struggle with it sometimes. And that's only getting harder as everything starts blending together. And I guess when, you know, if you're writing a book with the title Content Marketing for PR, you've then got to say what PR isn't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Firstly, um, I bang that one on the head pretty quick. And then what PR is. And, and and then look at what content is and then try and meld the two together. So I've had to just go through that often. And I, I, I love what what um, Andy is, is talking about is that it's around, you know, being known, like, trusted, front of mind and talked about, which is social proof. And he's, they're right, you know, if you're known, it's kind of a bit like the vital thing, but it's it sits on its own. If people know you, they like you. And Andy said in a conversation with me once, I've, I've never had a brief. I've been in this industry for so long. I've never had a brief where someone said, get more people to like us. <laughs> so no like trust, which we hear ad nauseum, but I think the front of mind is, is incredibly important. And the talking about us, that's probably where traditional PR has been is using, you know, the media and influencers and that side of things to get that third party endorsement. Yeah. Okay. Just to finish off then, a uh, question that I'm going to ask a lot of people in this this series of the podcast because it's something that is playing on my mind endlessly what do you think bearing in mind everything that's happening with social media networks themselves mm -hmm. what do you think the future of social media is and how is that going to affect communications over the next sort of three years do you think gosh pulling out the big one <laughs> Yeah. Given that I'm doing this talk tomorrow about the future of social media, but purporting yes. not to actually have the answer. Um, it's interesting, as we know, there's the sort of the dark social media that, that we know is going on and that's hard to track. I think yep. the, you know, the rise of groups that everything I'm seeing out there and research is that people are gravitating to groups. And yep. if it's not on Facebook, then it's um, through other sort of uh, proprietary networks that mm -hmm. um, Mighty Networks is another one that um, creates those networks that people can build. Um, I, 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 that makes a lot of sense to me because people uh, still want to have a deeper connection, but they don't want the noise. Yes. Um, and they want a bit of safety. And I think that you know, we, we're seeing brands, smart brands, really being able to build those groups and have a deeper connection with less people uh, rather than try and be all things to all people across everything. Yeah. Uh, are they going away? I don't think they're going away. I'm loving where Twitter is at the moment as a, as a platform. I think it's, it's a wonderful platform. It's still noisy one way. I th I'm feeling there's a bit of a swing back, back to conversation, but not like the, the heady days, but I think mm -hmm. it's still there. And, and the research shows that, you know, people who are on it are on it a lot. They're just lurking. Yeah. Which yeah. is an interesting thing. There's more lurkers than, than people doing the content, whereas it never used to be like that. So there's some interesting things happening with Twitter in the background. Um, you know, Facebook obviously have to, you know, it's crazy if they don't go overcompensate for all the their misgivings <laughs> or whatever it is. Um, they should go, you know, if they go you know, 20% one way, they really need to go 120% that way to fix yeah, it yeah. and overcompensate and overfix things uh, yeah. and become over-transparent. So I don't know if they've got the wherewithal to do that, but that's I don't think me, they've got the will to do it, to be honest. But. <laughs> well, if they don't, they'll be told to do it, I think, at some point. They'll probably, <laughs> yes, probably be broken up. I, it's hard to see unless they really take it on board and go 
nuts on it and really do it in a genuine way to really try and sort things out and and to be a lot more open and transparent in what they're doing then they they probably will get broken up at some point you would imagine yeah and um I mean, I think LinkedIn's going from strength to strength. I think that it's it's a wonderful platform at the moment, and I get a lot of great conversation around it. But of course, it's going to get to a point where, okay, let's put the brakes on the organic. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Um, so we're going to we've got to see more of that. I can't see that not happening. And obviously, Instagram already there's there's talk that the brakes are on it, and um, on the organic reach and it'll become paid so therefore the you know the future is uh, i mean i'm working with a guy very closely who does our our paid stuff and that's all he does he's neck deep in it and yes it's mainly facebook a little bit of insta but you know he that's a skill that if you're good at that and you know the data and you can understand that side of things and you want to do it more so i think that that's a good place to be in because there's no doubt that it's all going to be very much paid, except for the chosen few who know how to build and create, really invest in the great content and will probably do it organically with a little bit of help with paid. Yeah, I agree with you. It's, it's the it's the inquiry I get most nowadays, other than strategy work, is paid. Um, and like you say, a lot of it is on Facebook. But then, I mean, it's, it's across Google and, and Instagram and everywhere else as well. Yeah, but yeah, I, yeah. I agree with you. It's hard not seeing LinkedIn go that way at some point. But, yeah, I uh, agree. It has to. It has to. Yeah, fantastic. Okay, well, we're about out of time. So thank you so much for joining me today. It's been really interesting talking about this. Good luck with the book. Thank you, Paul. Um, do you just want to tell people um, where they can find you and where they can get hold of the book? Yeah, uh, probably the easiest is I've lucky enough to snag the, the URL. So contentmarketing4pr.com. Lovely. That's an easy one, isn't it? Good for you for getting that. Well, that, that, that's that's part of that. If you don't get the URL, um, <laughs> you, you then change change your mind on the book. <laughs> yeah, lovely. Okay, well, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much, Trevor. Thanks, Paul. You can subscribe to Digital Download on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or wherever else you get your podcasts. And if you've got any ideas for future topics you'd like to see covered or people you'd like to hear from, contact me on Twitter where I'm at the Paul Sutton. Thank you for listening.